Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Biggest Mountaineer and the captain. The thing that we had in common tonight, because we always kind of trade show prep before the show and see who's got what to talk about. And Captain, yeah. you and I both had something about the uh, the housing prices. <laughs> it was uh, Professor Peter St. Ange, who is a very well-spoken, um, very well-produced uh, production he does every day. He does yeah. like a little three-minute deal. His research is solid too. He uh, he's he's got it down, and he does it literally seven days a week. So very very dedicated production schedule in this case. Uh, actually, it's one of the first things I do when I wake up is I go and I check uh, his channel just to see what he's talking about. Oh, he's, wow. he's okay. got his ear to the ground, big time in you know the world of oh, yeah. uh, economics and finance. And so this story mentions. I've got his little three minute video from today that I want to share uh, because it mentions the housing prices what are people paying i mean we keep hearing about the rates going up going up going up but if you're not actively shopping for a a house right now you may not realize just how bad it really is and as i understand it the the rates are like seven to eight percent on one of these mortgages these 30-year mortgages at the moment which is more than double what it would have been like a year year and a half ago yeah and i read somewhere Uh, too that there's something like Less than a million houses on the market in the U.S. Is that right? Something like that. And I, I don't have that source right here in front of me. But as I was reading, uh, the the post that I grabbed was something that that Peter Saint Ange had shared from the the Kobiisi letter. I don't know what that is. Okay. I just started following them on on the uh, the Twitter because Peter reposted something. But it says uh, the median cost to buy a house hits new record of two thousand and seven hundred and forty eight dollars per month, up a massive ninety percent. Since 2020. Damn. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And there's also a, a number about like what percentage of somebody's income that is. Like that's a significant percentage. I don't know if it's in it, that same story. Yeah, uh, in other words, buying a house today costs nearly 33000 per year. This is 46, 46% of the median pre-tax household income in the U.S. 46% pre-tax, yeah. meaning that... Mm-hmm. Your take home is lower than the pre tax income, right? So right. I think they're saying uh, I'm just taking a guess here. The round number I'm uh, in my mind, I'm like seventy grand must be about the median income, seventy grand mm. a year. If thirty three thousand is the number you're going to spend per year, and that's forty six percent of the median pre tax household income. There was a video, you know, these videos get shared around on uh, social media. Uh, this was a younger woman, maybe like. 28, 29, 30, somewhere in that range. Uh, she's in her car. She's doing a selfie you know, shot where she's just going off about the mm. state of her economy and her life and what she's able to versus not able to do. Uh, sounds like she might have a child or something like that, yeah. right? Single mom. Sure. And I I would have had to have taken some time to edit the thing, and I just haven't had time for that. Uh, I. Because there's a lot of profanity in it. She's really upset. That's how I feel when I talk about the economy. Oh, really yeah, frustrated. Uh, I mean, you have the one benefit of you don't have a, a child to support, right? Like you don't, uh, at least that, that I, I'm aware of. I don't think you, you're you doing child support at the moment, right, uh, Peakless? That's correct. Right. So that's another burden. Right? Oh, yeah. That's another, the whole other thing. 
and uh, she is really upset. Like she can, she can't make ends meet, or barely is able to make, make ends meet. She ends the video by saying, "Am I gonna have to, you know, have my son move out of his room yeah. and rent it out to a stranger?" I've seen. Mm. I think I've seen this video that you're talking about. Yeah, uh, and the answer is yes. yes yeah, you're absolutely. gonna either have yeah. to do that, or you're gonna have to mm-hmm. move back in with your parents or something, right? right. Like you, you, you cannot make ends meet. It is not necessarily your fault. You know, a lot of these people are hearing about people getting a second or third job, right. even mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so one of my one of my neighbors actually popped into my driveway uh, last week, a week before mm-hmm. or something, and she was like, "Hey, I don't normally do this, but uh, you know, I got one of the other neighbors to watch my kid. I got to go drop off an application. Is it possible for you to give me a ride down the street?" Mm-hmm. She was trying to get a job at the local, you know, buy-in, so whatever it is. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, "Yeah, sure, why not? That's a neighborly thing to do." And turns out it's her third job. Wow. Yeah. So related to this, here's this story from Peter St. Ange. He kind of touches on a bunch of economic indicators here for the average individual here in the United States. And here's what he has to say. Is the American consumer tapping out? This miracle economy of ours has been held up above all by consumer spending. And now the American consumer is giving up as credit card debt explodes, pandemic era savings run out, and salary growth dramatically cools. In the past couple days, we've seen some terrible numbers out of retail. I did a video last week on Target losing $15 billion in value. Now, Bellwether Footlocker reported sales down 9%, which knocked a third off their stock. Dick's was flat, while Macy's and even BJ's lowered guidance. When even the warehouse clubs are down, it is bad. You think he did that on purpose? He said Dick's and BJ's. (laughs) The American consumer at this point is running on fumes, piling up debt and running down savings as incomes lag inflation by almost 8% in just two years. Exhibit A is credit card balances, which are up almost 40% in those two years and just past the $1 trillion line. Which okay, it's important to just focus on that one for a moment. What percent? 40%. Credit card balances are up, four, all, mm-hmm. he said almost 40%, I think, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so this is what, of course, people are trained to do. You can't make ends meet. Don't cut back your, you know, your habits. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't look at, you know, the things you're spending money on, maybe going to Starbucks every day or whatever other habits that you have that could be cut out of your lifestyle. Yeah. No, just put it all on the card. You'll figure out a way to pay for it later or not. Well, or like you or know, you'll go bankrupt. They're spending all their money on rent and they have no way else to get food. Yeah. And they don't want to seem like to. a bum and go right. start begging or, you know, hit yeah. up the food bank the food or bank. whatever, sure. you know. That kind of, and like sometimes people will get straight up denied. Oh, you have a job denied, right? for, like a credit card? You mean or for no, no, the food for bank. like the food bank or any mm-hmm. sort of uh, even like a welfare program for that matter, right? You know, yeah. you want to get on food stamps or something. Like, oh, sorry, you make too much. Yeah. Meanwhile, by the way, we talked recently about uh, BRICS on the show. The uh, other big world power group that's now expanding to have uh, 11 total members i believe it has five b-r-i-c-s is brazil russia india china and south africa they're going to be adding six more countries including argentina egypt and uh, more importantly the (laughs) uh the uae and saudi arabia which means according to one guy's totals the BRICS organization will have 80 percent of the world's oil output 
under its umbrella. Yeah, and, and, and this is something that I've definitely talked about on this show, that the OPEC agreement to only take U.S. dollars for oil mm-hmm. has been the thing that kept the American dollar at its uh, on yep. the throne, yep. like as the world's recur- the world's reserve currency. This is, is where be- the term petrodollar comes from. Exactly the the petrodollar system, which man, I, I that ha- that was so hard for me to learn about, and it turns out there's this whole oh, it's just it's the petrodollar system, yeah. But that is absolutely what backs the dollar mm-hmm. is the fact that every country knows that they can get energy which they need to survive. If they have dollars, and that's why they have this as like, oh, yes, that's the secure thing. So now if you have 80% of the world's oil and they don't want to use the dollar, that is, uh, okay, that is where we're headed. Well, and if you believe all of the dollar defenders out there, and there's a lot of them, basically anyone in the mainstream opinion media in the world of economics yeah. is going to say, oh, it's no big deal. BRICS is, means nothing. It's nothing. The dollar is in charge. 90% of world's trade. And, you know, just going on and on about how the dollar is untouchable. Meanwhile, headline here from MoneyWise, India just bought a million barrels of oil, mm-hmm. one million barrels, from the UAE, both now in the same economic agreement under mm-hmm. BRICS. This news mm-hmm. actually came out, I think, right around the time of the BRICS meeting that was going on earlier this week. It was like Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, somewhere in that range. They had like a three-day uh, summit that where they made these decisions. So it was right around that time where they bought it from the UAE using the Indian rupee instead of the U.S. dollar for the first time mm-hmm. ever, apparently. Yeah. So that's a big deal, and that's what one of the key things that BRICS has been talking about. There's been mm-hmm. the teaser of they might do their own currency, like a an international yeah. currency yeah, yeah. or a BRICS uh, nas- multinational currency. Which, that hasn't happened yet. Which but, honestly, I don't expect that anytime soon. Yeah, and it's going like, to take a lot of time. And, and like the, the I forget what it, what exactly the title was, but uh, uh, one of the high up BRICS uh, financial officer guys is like, yeah, that is a medium to long term plan. Absolutely. And that's, that's accurate. I it mean, takes a lot of planning right, to make like, that happen. Honestly, each of these countries individually has a lot of difficulty with their organization. Sure. Now, if you add on top of that, getting them all to agree with very different cultures on what they're going to do, how they're going to run their currency system, yeah, that is probably a long way off. That actually doesn't matter that much. No, because they can do what they're doing right, right now, which is say, okay, no more dollar, petrodollar. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be the rupee, uh, you know, petro or the petro yeah. ruble or whatever. Whatever they can trade between one another with their existing central bank currencies, they're going to be doing that. This is an indicator of things to come, yeah. and these things can come right now. Yeah. There's so, nothing now the, to wait for. I mean, the nice part about this is that it's in a country's best interest to diversify their their reserve currencies. Oh, I'll hold a little bit of rupees, mm-hmm. I'll hold a little bit of yuan, a little bit of rubles, instead of just all of a sudden, oh, I've got to hold half in yuan and half in dollars. So let me, let me see if I understand this. What you guys are saying is, all in all, it's just another bricks in the wall? <laughs> This brings into question the entire idea of living a subscription-based life. What like, does that mean? Well, you have to pay something every month in order to get by. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like a subscription-based. Like, like, like you will own be, nothing and be happy kind of thing? Yeah, like, like shouldn't there be 
a, a point in your life where, okay, I no longer have to pay every month mm. for mm. everything, right? This, this subscription No, you always have to pay based... property tax until you die. Well, right. there is that. Right. So, but what I'm saying is like Even prior, if you pay the to, house off. prior mm-hmm. to, I don't know, a hundred or so years ago, mm. right? Uh, this wasn't out of the question. Right. To not live a subscription-based life. Like, I'm pretty sure my grandparents were maybe the first generation to begin to live the subscription-based life. Okay. To them, uh, they always hunted every season for whatever, anything that was available to be hunted. Uh, you know, they, of course, bought hunting licenses as those things came about and things of that nature. But they'd get a deer every year at least. They'd go mm-hmm. squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, duck hunting, right? They had several gardens. They would can all of their own stuff. By canning, I mean jarring, right? right. You know, uh, but you know the old school stuff. They they owned a meat grinder, you know, with uh, a crank on it. Yeah, with yeah. the crank on, you know, the cast iron looking thing. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, they were able to do all of these things uh, themselves without. I mean, sure, they had to buy like ammunition to go hunting. And, yeah. you now know. you can literally buy a box of meat sent to your house every every month. Sure, mm-hmm. right. But what I'm saying a is, subscription like, service uh-huh. is is there was a point in their life where they didn't live a subscription-based lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Money to them was on top of all of that. I see. They provided for themselves in, a, I think, a popular amongst libertarians is the homesteading lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a, like, get back to that non-subscription-based lifestyle where maybe you have some property that's paid off uh, and you're able to grow your own food and raise some animals and barter within your mm-hmm. community to get most of the stuff you need so that all you have to pay is your property tax, that kind of a thing. But- why stop there? Why can't human beings get to a point where they're not living a subscription-based lifestyle at all? Because of taxes, I think. Right? Because you always have to pay. Even if you pay off the home, you still have to pay the gang. Right. You, if you don't mm-hmm. pay the gang, they will take your home from you, and yes. then they'll just sell it to somebody who is willing to pay mm-hmm. them. Yes. And then you're out in the streets, which ironically then, if you're like the average person, you would go to the gov- government and ask them for help. I wouldn't, personally, but... Right. Uh, but that's what a lot of people would do. So but what I'm saying is that that idea is impossible with the existence of government. It is. Yeah, that's true. It's not possible for a human on planet Earth to live a, a non-subscription-based lifestyle. Well, I mean, yeah. I, guess I hear kind of like two things in what you're saying. There's on one hand this critique of the subscription-based lifestyle, and then on the other hand there's this in embracing of the idea of you know, taking care of your own property and having these things that you rely on that you can do all yourself. And certainly what we've seen over time is uh, the idea of the division of labor, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't need to do all those things yourself. You can have somebody do a lot of those things. Now, that usually means you have to pay them to do those things. But if you're doing something that's very valuable, then you can afford to pay people to to do those things. So it's like, I'm of but the like, opinion that I don't want to raise animals, right? Like, I'd rather have Jay Noon and sure, uh, Bardo absolutely. Farm take care and, of that. And you want to and you want to barter for those things. Yeah. But uh, are you on? Are you paying them every month for that? Are you on? Well, a, we, are, are you we on pay a service? them when we run out of meat? Right, right. So, but, like, but you're not like it would be the equivalent of thing. it would be the equivalent of uh, uh, like paying a plumbing company uh, some amount of money per month just in case something goes wrong. Okay, well. Right, um, you don't do that. You only call the plumber when you need him. 
Well, right? not necessarily. Uh, we do have a yearly maintenance plan with the heating uh, company or whatever. So they come mm. they come by on a once a year basis, and they you know the oil heater right it, like it needs yeah. to have certain things done to it on a regular basis. Sure. If you don't, it's going to break down. So I'm not saying you that... can wait till it breaks down, or you can pay well, them. On I'm not a regular saying basis. that there's anything wrong with yeah. subscribing to services that mm-hmm. you don't want to do or otherwise can't. What I'm saying is that the current basis of society doesn't even allow for that as a possibility. Let's go to Dave Ridley. He's on the line from RidleyReport.com. Dave, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, how close? have you guys been paying close attention to the scandal surrounding the uh, Sununu Youth Services Center in Manchester? No, I haven't been paying close attention. I, have you guys? I, I keep seeing I stuff on this. Here um, our, our frequent caller, uh, Robbie Poppins, Robin Vermont. Yeah. Uh, he has been paying attention to that and keeps sending me stuff on it. Yeah. I read an article he forwarded me in. I only got halfway through it. It was so it's repulsive sick, yeah. and disgusting. J- Jay Noon's been following it pretty closely as well, our Thursday night co-host. And uh, basically, as I understand it from the outside, not having followed it closely, this is a uh, essentially a youth, what they call det- detention center, where apparently some rapes went on, some number of them, a fairly large number, because they've set aside uh, like $100 million or $150 million to be offered to these victims who are now piling up because they're all, you know, it's, it's, you know how it is, the pile on thing, right? Like one guy says, hey, so-and-so guard raped me. Oh yeah, me too. And me too. Like everybody stands up and says, yeah. And looks like there's some truth to these allegations. So the state's paying out upwards of $150 million or they're offering these people in order to avoid court because they could pay a lot more Mm. if they lose in court. So they're saying, hey. Hey, how about we give you a hundred thousand dollars and we you won't just admit go any away. wrongdoing? Right, right. We still get to keep all of our government subsidies. We wouldn't and not want have officer, a big old scandal. We wouldn't want Officer Rapey to actually have to lose his job and possibly face criminal charges. So here's hundred and fifty grand. You go away, have a nice life, and we'll just shh, keep things hush hush. Don't mm-hmm. sue us. Well, That's what's going on, right. as I understand. It. And of right. course, as I always tell people, because I, you know, I was in the family courts for some period of time mm. in my childhood, and family court is even worse mm-hmm. than every other type of court yes. yeah, that yeah. you could possibly have to be subject to, because they do not play by even their same rules. No. Family court mm-hmm. just gets to make crap up as they go and then people just go oh i guess that's what the family court decided so we gotta do that and it's it's heinous it's brutal as long as the judge considers it to be in the interest of justice then that's what happens is this is juvenile court family court though like uh if you get wrapped up as a juvie with a criminal charge does that go through family court or is that like a special court is a branch of family court i could be wrong i'm not a lawyer because uh, I think it's wh- whatever court it is that's sending these kids to jail, essentially. According what... to this article, this is a family court thing. Hmm. Uh, this is the, the article that Rob sent me. It says, here's some background for better understanding of the seriousness of the crimes. The state of New Hampshire family court judiciary are committing felony crimes, and we the people are demanding they be indicted and sent to prison for Good these luck. crimes against humanity. So apparently this is specific to family court. Hmm. Uh, All right. What about it, Ridley? What have you heard? Well, uh, just some more numbers from you, uh, from this article, or, or from the two articles I read. I, apparently, there were there are 10 people that have been charged uh, by the state with crimes mm-hmm. against the kids. 
and there was uh, I guess there was a thousand a thousand different lawsuits, either that or a thousand different people doing lawsuits hmm. uh, against the state over this. And uh, the last number is 100. That is the number of people who showed up at a demonstration, I guess, about a week ago at the state house, complaining about the slow progress of. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, we investigated ourselves and determined that we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, I'm sorry to hear there was only 100 people showing up, but then again, would it really have made a difference if there was 1,000? Uh, probably not. These bureaucrats are going to cover their butts as effectively as they possibly can. They're going to use your taxpayer money to do it. Uh, it's not going to be the uh, officer rapies who are going to be paying out to these kids. It's going to be the taxpayers uh, who are going to be paying out. That's where that $150 million is coming from. I mean, if they face criminal charges, that's nice and all, but that doesn't, re- you know, that doesn't resolve the problem. That just means that those officers are out of the system, meaning their jobs are open now for some other sick pervert to come in and take those jobs. Because who is going to be attracted to a job with power over children? Gee, I wonder. Where they're literally you know, it, it, kept in your facility against their will, and they have to do what you say. What kind of person is attracted to that particular job? It's um, sometimes it feels almost like you know, like a torture scandal. People in America, they all it seems like they all know it happened. You know, like mm-hmm. U.S. troops torturing people and everything, beating that guy's legs until they had to cut them off. Except he died before they could do the amputation. You know, yeah. I just. It, it just the most vile things and people just you talk about that and they're like well uh let's talk about something else you know there's just like mm-hmm. there's just such a big deal they can get really angry about someone beating a guard maybe at january 6th protest uh but in that they'll lose their minds over that but they just they they just they, the eyes just glaze over if you want to talk about about the really bad things that it's are going on cognitive it's just, dissonance it's like it's so bad so unspeakable it just can't even be discussed or addressed and i feel like i'm even part of this problem in the sense that i've only done two maybe two things about this at all myself right mm-hmm. uh including this call i can't remember i mean only one other thing i've ever done about it and uh, well, the good so news is, uh, as I understand it, Ridley Report is coming back. Your online video series that woo! you started as far back as what, two thousand seven, eight? When did you start Ridley Report? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. So we're talking about fifteen years ago. This thing had been going on for years. You took a break for uh, over, I think, the last year or so, and you're bringing it back. As I understand it, so Bring I it bet. Back. I bet you know if you can get a ride to wherever one of these things is going on, you can uh, you can hold some of these people to account yourself, Ridley. Well, yeah, I should say I wasn't taking a break so much as I was deplatformed. Well, yeah, <laughs> so. I got you. But now you're coming back. Uh, check out Dave Ridley. He's going to be. Uh, what, you got new videos that are in the pipe. You're still working on them, as I understand it. But they'll be coming back to Ridley Report on its, uh, I think, Odyssey and BitChute. Correct. All right. Very cool. Yeah, just, yeah, just, just go to, to RidleyReport.com. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Yeah, um, I can't remember what his name is. Volinsky or Bolinsky or something, the head of the Wagner Group? Uh, no, it was something else. Prilotsky or something like that. Prilotsin, something like that. It's it's hard to remember them whole alphabet names sometimes. Yeah, what about him? Well, anyway, they blew his plane out of the air the other day. Yeah, they did. And of course, of course, Moscow's denying any responsibility. 
Hmm. But the twist is I heard a little more in-depth interview about it, and they were claiming that uh, in the last few whiles here, the Ukrainians have been courting them to come fight for the Ukrainians. So hmm. I think I think when, uh, you remember when he led the march on Moscow and they made a deal at the wall somehow? Yeah, that's right. Everything was supposed to be hunky-dory between him and uh, Putin. Right. Yeah, it turned out well, that yeah. uh, that was just a delaying tactic, and they you know, shot his plane out of the sky. Pergotion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, something like that, yeah. He's not going to honor it, so. Of course not. I mean, we're talking that. about thugs here. So the Ukrainians yeah, are uh, thugs. The Russians are thugs. The U.S. government people, they're all thugs. All these people in the governments all around the world are all thugs. You cannot believe a word that they say. They will not honor their agreements. You can pretty much count on that. Uh, I mean, the moment this guy turned against Putin, it was it it was curtain f- uh, for him. Unless he was successful, unless mm. he successfully overthrew Putin, and even then there would be people after him. Right. Uh, at that point, I suspect he called it off because Putin said, "We have your daughter. We will kill her," or something. You know, some mm. something like that, right? Yeah. Like you know, there's some sort of pressure they put on this guy. Honestly, I think that it is a fool's errand trying to figure out what is going on during an active war zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you literally have some of the most well-funded intelligence organizations on the planet, both intentionally putting out disinformation in all directions about everything. (laughs) Right. So the idea that you, from your couch, are going to figure out what is going on (laughs) in the fog of war. Good luck. Good luck. And that also applies to the politics Right. We're seeing now, I, I don't know about you guys, but I am tired and sick uh, to my stomach of seeing supposed libertarians all jockeying for position and, and announcing who their preferred candidate is for president. And they're picking uh, people who are known liars. Mm. Of course they are. People who are for violence. Right. People who advocate. like They, they promise when they get in, I'm going to do X, which involves violence. Yeah, it's, you're so great on this and absolutely abysmal on this. You're so great on that well, even, and terrible at this. Even if you believe what they tell you, they rarely fulfill any of the promises. If of ever. course. I advocate to not save in U.S. dollars at this point. I'm mm. not an economist. I'm not mm-hmm. a lawyer. But uh, it seems to me that's a really dumb thing to do. Now, the writing's oh, on yeah. the wall. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, let's just say you save, you know, even 5% of your income mm-hmm. uh, in actual dollars. You don't put it in a bank because you don't like banks or whatever it is. You put it under the mattress or in yep. a safe or something. Uh, in 10 years, that money is going to be worth less than it is now. Fact. Mm-hmm. So what you, in my mind. How much less my, is really the only question. Right. In my mind, the right thing to do is to take that and put it into something that won't lose its value over yeah. time uh gold silver now, there's no guarantees yeah. captain i mean we don't know what's going to happen with the I, again i'm not an attorney things. and i'm not an economist yeah. i'm just saying it seems can't to me promise that but seems to me could. from a regular guy perspective yeah, that if not financial I want, advice but right, that if i want you know me if i want my savings to be worth something like we know historically that uh in uh in the 1900s early 1900s that you know, one ounce of gold mm-hmm. could buy you a really nice tailored suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, that same one ounce of gold today can buy you a really nice tailored suit. Thanks. So, like, you know, there are things that you can look at from history that suggest what the best places to put your savings might be yeah. mm-hmm. so that they don't depreciate. Yeah. Or at least as much. Yeah. And 
I think the the time period in history that is very telling of what we are headed into very probably is if you look at the collapse of the USSR. So if you think, okay, well, if you had this many dollars in USSR, well, how'd that go? Okay, well, if you had this in, you know, USSR companies stock, mm-hmm. how did that go? Right. Okay, so what you really want, what I would, what I think is the smart idea. Sure, have uh, your local currency enough for an emergency. Like, that's just a great idea. Have just enough set aside for if there's an emergency, you you will be okay. Everything else, I think the most important thing is to avoid counterparty risk. So I don't I don't think keeping it in a bank is a good idea. I don't think keeping it in a money market fund is a good idea. I don't think keeping it in stocks, in bonds, or Bitcoin exchange. Yeah, a Bitcoin no. exchange, any kind of custodied. You're uh, saying Bitcoin where someone deal. else has control over exactly. your your assets. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If they if they come out with a Bitcoin spot ETF, I Forget still it. think that is a terrible yeah. idea because you are trusting mm-hmm. that they will not run off with your value about, and if you uh, look at chaotic times that is what always happens mm. what about real estate how do you feel about that i think that's still risky honestly and and the fact of the matter is that we are entering a, a potential time where all of the the monetary premium is what it's called so like as you pointed out dollars is a terrible savings like they are not right. good for savings so all just of that just ask the argentinians right right exactly right exactly so all of that all of that saving power had to go somewhere so a massive mm-hmm. amount of it went into the stock market uh, a lot of it went into the bond market and the treasuries and all of that and a huge huge amount of it especially in like china uh, mm-hmm. went into real estate but now you've got the commercial real estate coming crash happening mm-hmm. crash we're seeing it essentially happening as we speak potentially exactly. like a huge wall of what is it trillions of dollars in, mm-hmm. in real estate or one and a half trillion or something in real estate commercial real estate yeah. is coming due and these people are like at 40 percent or 50 percent capacity and they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to pay uh the debts that they've incurred and that's going to result in huge crashes probably in retail prior in uh commercial pricing when is the next residential real estate crash going to come because oh i wouldn't expect that for a very long time why because all of the indicators are showing all kinds of economic difficulties if you can't afford to buy a house why is someone going to be able to get away with selling it for the prices they're asking because everyone fights the last war so right now, what the entire financial world is prepared for is the last crash. Everything is set up to make sure that what happened last time doesn't happen this time. So there's a tremendous Even though some of the same of, economic indicators are flashing yep. or have been surpassed. Yep. Yeah, so uh, there's, you know, uh, there are options and puts and insurance and all sorts of wacky-dacky little things that are put over here. And, oh, we've got this contract for this, this contract for this. We've got this plan. If this happens, this happens. That's what they're prepared for is what happened last time. Mm-hmm. Is it going to happen? It'll be the last thing that happens. You think so? You're going to hmm. see a commercial real estate crash long before you see a, a residential one. You're going to see a credit crunch. What's it take to put a shower in in a, a commercial real estate property? Because at this point, <laughs> you might be able to snag one of those things up right. and uh, well, retrofit it. You yeah. see, first, Ian, you got to go get permission uh, from yeah. the zoning mm-hmm. board right. to convert right. the commercial space Which they'll never into do. a residential space. They will never allow. And they will also send the fire department to check to make sure that you're not living in your industrial or commercial zones. Fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, yeah. there used to be something called a live workspace. Yeah. 
right? Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, Guar, the metal band. This is how they came about. They were they were occupying uh, this live workspace. It was a it was an artist. Uh, we'll call it a commune. I don't know what else to call it. Collective, collective. if you will. Uh, and it was a bunch of artists who wanted to do their art, but yep. also wanted to live, and so they would just pay one fee instead of having to rent an apartment and then rent a separate space right, to go right. do their art. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Hi, my name is Angela. Angela, you're on the air. Where are you calling from tonight? Calling from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Welcome. Listening to WRNN-FM. Go ahead, Angela. Yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to make a comment. You guys were talking a little while ago about um, how uh, bad things were being done and being covered up, especially like corrections officers. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to briefly... Back in 2007, I was incarcerated in FCI Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Florida. And there was a situation where there were some officers that were involved with sex for trade. And they hid it for a very long time. Sex, just to clarify, when you say sex for trade, you mean the guards were willing to have sex with the inmates? Yes. Okay. And you can Google this. You can Google this. Oh, I believe it. Um, Are they they, male guards uh, or female guards? Male guards. Okay, got it. And uh, there was like five or six involved, and it was covered up, and they were moved around, and a lot of stuff was changed because there's a male facility there, too. So, like, they could move them and get them away from the girls to try to maneuver and stuff. But anyway, basically what happened was they uh, didn't allow the officers to have any guns, so... They informed one of the main officers that he was getting ready to be uh, given his um, indictment that that next day at work. They were coming to serve him the next day. Mm -hmm. Well, he brought a weapon in, and he killed the man from the attorney general's office, and the attorney general's officer shot him simultaneously. They shot each other. Another lieutenant was shot through and through in his sides through all the way through his body. And um, Damn. They ended up finding out that the guy that, that the attorney general office killed that was getting ready to be served. What exactly? I mean, eight. while you were in there, did you catch wind of what the trade was? Like, I'm trying to figure out exactly. Perfume. Huh? Per- the perfume, uh, ink pens. Oh. Because um, I was like, why would the. What what exactly was the deal here? So you're saying the girls wanted perfume. The guard said, "Yeah, I can but, get but you that." Just, it was, but it's going to cost you. Know, perfume you. money. He, he was putting money on their books. This one particular one that was killed. He was putting money on their books. Ah, uh, the commissary and fund. They mm-hmm. tracked it back to him. They actually tracked it back to him. Mm-hmm. So you know, y'all, if y'all decide you want to Google it, 2007 FCI Tallahassee. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, no doubt. So this one guy, he killed a attorney general or an assistant attorney general, and they took him out. Um, how many yeah, other officers officer. were what involved? How many? How many that you know of were involved in this uh, sex for trade? I, I know six for sure. Wow, six for sure. And um, the one was killed, but it wasn't the attorney general. It was like officers for the attorney general's office. That came in to serve the warrant, thinking they would be, you know, everybody would be safe. There wasn't any guns allowed, you know, on the job. Yeah. And the guy's lawyer had warned him they were coming. 
and he had a, a gun. Where would they go? I mean, you you were in this facility, so you know a thing or two about where things <laughs> were. Like, was there like a broom <laughs> closet or something where there was no cameras That's and they that. would just slip in there? Like, where would they go? It's, it's, well, it was, at, it was down at the men's facility. And so I don't know the specifics, you know, they were coming into the main entrance uh-huh. to serve him a warrant. No, and no, no, but where was the sex going on? That's what I'm curious about. Like, what did they... Oh, they would come and pull them out. They would come and pull the, pull goals out at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the officer tells you to do something, you have to do it. Right. And, and, and I then, actually witnessed this myself. And then take them but, where um, to do the deed, you know, I mean, you know, like... There's cameras all over these right. facilities, I generally. I know for a fact that they would bring in the FBI with dogs hunting for body fluids in the officer's office but Gross. you know i mean i, I don't know the specifics you <laughs> well plus if there's six of them Google. think about this if there's six of them there's a good chance the guy running the cameras is in on it right so they'd be like hey billy just oh, you know so. yeah you know sh- turn off the cameras so, in the rec room we're gonna yeah. bring in you know this hussy in there and you can join us or whatever right well to be honest with you before this happened there wasn't a lot of cameras Except on the exterior of the buildings. So we've been playing this Peter St. Ange clip. I'm going to keep it going here because he's wrapping up a lot of different economic indicators that are affecting. Uh, that'd be pretty cool, but no. Uh, that are affecting a lot of people right now in the U.S., like the fact that rents are record high and mortgages are at like $2,800, $2,700 a month. One trillion in credit card debt, another record high. We continue. The Federal Reserve now estimates Americans are running through savings at about 100 billion per month and have already run down 1.9 of the 2.1 trillion that people built up during the pandemic, meaning all those excess savings could be gone Mm. in a few more months. That has been one of the main things holding back the full recession, keeping it as a rolling recession that hits the working and middle class, but not the wealthy. Surprisingly, even mortgage delinquencies are now soaring. Surprising since most Americans still have a 3 or 4% mortgage. So that means people aren't paying their mortgages on time. Right. Right? Right. That's They're what behind. mortgage delinquency is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering yeah. what his criteria for the wealthy is. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good well, question. I I don't know either. That's yeah. why I'm asking. I just I, I hear this frequently from economists, and like it's never really clearly defined. Like if you make over X, if you have you know over X amount of assets, if you, you it know, used to be seventy five thousand was considered rich, but I don't think that's probably true anymore. My suspicion would be that it's uh, so called qualified investors, which is uh, a lot of wealthy. Like it's I like a million dollars yeah, in savings, like a million right? dollars or more. Yeah. Or assets or whatever. Yeah, in order to be a qualified investor. That would be my first guess as to what he considers the wealthy. Okay. Going on. And that is going to get a lot worse with new buyers coming in at 7.5% mortgages, <sighs> meaning a $2,600 monthly payment for the median house. In effect, the Fed has made America into a two-tier economy where anybody lucky enough to own financial assets or perhaps a house is sitting pretty while the young and working class are wrecked. So boomers are fine. Everybody else is screwed. 
So what is next? Watch for delinquencies and defaults, especially on mortgages. Both were driven down artificially during the pandemic by trillions in government handouts and government-mandated forbearance. But both are now rising fast and have already given back the entire pandemic dip. Now, this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, Peakless, where you're predicting that the last thing to go down oh, yeah. is going to be the the real estate uh, residential housing market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're seeing a bunch of defaults... Yeah, but then- here's the thing. You're seeing a bunch of defaults that are already starting in the commercial real estate and He's market. talking about residential. Yeah, he's talking residential, but we are already seeing the beginning of the massive defaults in the in the commercial real estate. Right, and those buildings are going for half price. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they're down like $1.2 trillion on unpaid commercial real estate. That's already happened. Those things and are going to get auctioned. And this is the beginning. So, like, yeah. the commercial real estate is going to happen a lot faster because okay. it's already happening right and honestly one of the biggest things that happened in 2008 is that the credit rating companies suddenly decided to be honest they had they faced enough direct pressure that they started actually doing what they said they were already doing and rating things down when they when they were a credit risk he's pretty much done with this uh, clip here so let's right, talk so, about that so i think that this time they've they've you know they've finagled it they've finessed it in just such a way that you're not going to see the credit ratings agencies ever become honest mm-hmm. so that's the thing they started actually telling the truth about what's on the books and that's part of what collapsed everything in 2008. I think this time they have the the they have the reinforcement in place so that that particular event doesn't occur. So the credit ratings agencies will not give an honest uh, accounting of how bad of a credit risk all of these uh, residential mortgages are. I thought you said they are now being honest. Uh, no, not not as far as I know. No, okay. I, I thought that's what you were saying. No, so the, the so the credit rating agencies they will be honest about the banks. Mm-hmm. They will be honest about the uh, the commercial real estate mm-hmm. because that's not the deal that they made. They've made these backroom deals. You're saying they wouldn't hey, be honest about. Last time that you told everyone the truth about the mortgages, we had this happen. What do we need to do to make sure that that doesn't happen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Mm -hmm. So they've probably made these agreements to make sure that they're never honest about that again, but it doesn't matter. They're going to be honest about this over here, and the entire thing is a house of cards. So, I mean, that will come down, but it'll probably be the last thing Mm. to come down. So you were sharing with us, Peacock's mm-hmm. Mountaineer, that apparently these credit rating agencies who, Mm -hmm. uh, one, recently reduced the credit rating of the United States federal government from AAA to AA+. Now, it Mm -hmm. doesn't sound like a big deal, but apparently that's a big deal. This sounds like me trying to, like... I don't know, finesse my parents into thinking that, you know, a B plus was as good as an A minus. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it honestly is a lot like that. And okay. now you're talking about the big banks may be downgraded. That hasn't happened yet, though. Mm. Hasn't happened yet, but you do see the, uh, it's strange, you see the announced threat of mm-hmm. the possibility coming from multiple credit rating agencies of downgrading the big boys. Which is just a very unusual. It's a strange tactic. thing to telegraph. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't telegraph that they were reducing the U.S.'s rating before they did it. Mm-hmm. They just did it. 
Yeah, but what are they actually doing? Or what is actually happening there with the U.S. Bank, which is one of the biggest banks in the country? It's more of a Midwest, Western bank, as I understand it, uh, that uh, is under some kind of financial trouble. What's happening? Oh, uh, U.S. banks uh, suffer a ni- an 18.9 million billion dollars. Oh, it's U.S. banks, plural? Yes, U.S. Ugh. banks. Oh, okay, because there is oh, a not, bank yeah, called right. U.S. Bank right, as well. Right. Okay, sorry about yeah, that. U.S. banks suffer an $18.9 billion, lo- billion dollars in losses as J.P. Morgan Chase and Capital One take big hits from bad loans. Hmm. America's big... Like bad commercial real estate loans or something like that? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's those bad commercial real Mm -hmm. estate loans that they have this credit crisis going on with like $1.2 billion that they need to collect that they ain't going to collect all of. Yeah. Yeah. America's biggest banks are taking hits to their bottom line as soaring interest rates cause billions of dollars in loans to fall apart. J.P. Morgan Chase, Capital One, and others lost a combined $18.9 billion in the second quarter of this year hmm. due to sour wow. loans. What, what does that mean, lost? Like, oh, I put it somewhere and now I can't find it. <laughs> it, it means they gave this loan out and it ain't coming mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Okay. yeah they, or at least they most went, of it. This is a sure bet. I'm positive that these companies can pay this. Nope. nope. So what do you do? Well, you have to repo the property, right? And then sell it off to the highest bidder right, right. at God knows what fraction of uh, the original price. Yeah, the banks are facing... Because who the hell wants to buy an office but, building? Yeah. But but didn't this bank or these banks just sort of create the money to loan out of Yes, they did. Yes, mm. they did. So did they really lose anything? Well, well, so here's the thing. You have to keep the juggling act going. That's how this whole thing goes. In like, order as, to, so that they can print more for another loan right, on down the road. Right. I mean, it, it, it all, every time I research this, it reminds me of the old joke of like a guy's uh, driving down the road and, you know, every now and again he stops, goes and like bangs on the side of his big old semi truck. And then he starts heading down the road again and his passenger eventually goes like, dude, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm only rated for 2,000 pounds, but I'm carrying pigeons. So every time we go to the way station, i got to make sure that half <laughs> the pigeons around. are in the air. <laughs> and honestly, that seems to be the way this whole thing is, is built. Like, if any point in this process loses faith, and yes, it is absolutely a faith-based system. Oh, yeah, yeah. And as mm-hmm. soon as any part of this process loses faith, it could guess come what? Crashing down. There's, it's going to be great, right? Mm-hmm. Exa- Honestly, from our perspective, yes. The, but but the, the downstream, yes, but it from will the, eventually be great. Okay, but from the bank's perspective, they were planning on these uh, monies that they lent out, which were created from thin air, mind you. Mm-hmm. But they were planning on getting it back. Plus interest, sure, yeah. right? right? And now that's not happening. Right. They booked so, that as profit. Right. They figured money. they would have that to then reinvest and then you know pay people with or whatever, and yeah. now mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah, and the thing is that, of course, once you've got this set up, you start making promises for all that profit that you're uh, expecting to come right. in. So then now, right. yeah, now that you have all of these promises not being fulfilled to you, you have to start breaking promises that you already made to other companies. So all of this free money that was supposed to come in is... Is not coming in. Mm-hmm. Right. So now all this free money that other people expected is not going to get sure. them. Domino effect. Massive, massive changes need to occur. Now, these can happen in one of two ways. They can either happen in a top-down, centralized way. 
But the problem is those are extremely corrupt, extremely inefficient. Fed now. Right. The Fed now <laughs> program. Now. That's what you're the, talking about. That's the, top down right the there. The Fed now program is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BRICS currency. CBDCs. The CBDCs. So all of these top down, central centrally bank controlled. Currency. Yeah, central bank digital currencies. All of these top down, centrally bank, uh, centrally controlled systems. They are extremely inefficient. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got to get paid off. No one's going right. to do their job until they have their piece of the pie. And it's going to take forever. And there's going to be a bunch of problems with it. Sure. On the other hand, they are competing with decentralized systems. So guess guess whose approval we need to do this with Bitcoin? Nobody's. Guess whose approval we need to like, hey, I can put up this this way of changing the uh, decentralized autonomous organization of yeah. Dash. Nobody's. You don't need anyone's approval for that. Yeah. So all of these changes can be figured out in a decentralized way by who knows who, oh, who and knows quickly. where, who knows and when. I don't need a bank or a government to prove that I own my property, that I'm going to use as collateral for my loan that I'm going to get, because that can all be done now by technology. Yeah, and that's one of the great parts about this, is that it eliminates the risk. Because there's always that possibility that whatever institution is either going to collapse or is going to run off with your money or screw you out over in some other way. But meanwhile, I mean, this, I, I agree with you, that's the direction things are going. But it's going to be a bumpy, ugly road. Oh, yeah, the, the fish out of water hasn't really started just yet. I mean, we saw signs of it, you know, the Crypto 6, for example, the raid here. The Tornado the Cash. Uh, these guys just, there was an arrest oh, just yeah. within the last yeah. week of these guys who have now been indicted. Another guy is still somewhere in the world. They haven't gotten their hands on yeah. him yet. But uh, one of these programmers, one was arrested last summer. They just snatched another one up this week for simply writing code yeah. that they released onto the internet that somebody who the U.S. government doesn't like, they claim the North Koreans, used this code to take some Ethereum that they hacked from somewhere mm-hmm. and uh, and mixed it up. Because yeah. Tornado Cash is a mixer yeah. technology. It's a, it potentially could obscure the source and destination of, and uh, of a certain one. cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. federal government Treasury Department has said, this is a crime. Your free speech, that that's what programming is. That's this is, is now a crime. You made this thing that some criminal used so therefore you go to prison and you go to prison and you go to prison so anybody they can identify Mm -hmm. as being involved with any decentralized technology they are under threat right now it's almost Mm -hmm. as if satoshi nakamoto gave us the blueprint for how to make this happen Mm -hmm. you mean do it anonymously yeah yeah. Do it yeah. as a well, and and now the technology has grown into DAOs. Yeah, sure. Right? So we have the ability. Like, They're starting to target those though. Now, of course, they're they saying, are. Oh, "Oh, the DAO that. is the is an it's a legal entity, and it can be sued, and, and it can really be the, targeted." That is really the beauty of this. But situation. they can't arrest a DAO. Yeah, they can't throw a DAO in jail. They can throw the members in jail. If That's what I'm saying. If the, if, so, all of you developers out there, if you're listening, take a page from the Cypherpunks. Take a page yeah. from Satoshi Nakamoto. When you're working on this stuff and you want to release it into the wild, 
Do it anonymous. Quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do Absolutely it anonymous. Right. I mean, it like the doubt the the thing itself doesn't have to be quiet, but right. your involvement your with it that's does, I mean, yeah. unless you want to, you know, take that risk. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's good. That's good advice now. But a lot of these people have already been public sure. with their involvement in these things, and they are under threat. And you can't blame somebody for saying, "Hey, I did that." You know, that's that's good work. I should yeah. deserve some you credit be for proud the thing. Of your that, creation. Yeah, for the thing that I did. And who who would have thought five years ago, before any of this really started to happen in the cryptocurrency world, no one thought they were going to be arrested for writing code. Right. Mm. I mean, that was like completely out I, of the realm of possibility. I would love to hear uh, like a, a free speech uh, specialist attorney like give us the lowdown on like, hey, code is free speech, right? Like and apparently you know, not. I mean, I mean that needs to be set. In, be? That needs to be set in court, well, but I don't know if it has been. Well, yet. I mean, what free speech is even being protected anymore? And the thing is, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. you didn't un- you didn't realize that you'd be arrested. You didn't realize what you were doing. You didn't know what a government is. Mm. A government is violence. It is force. It is coercion. That's all it has ever been. That's all it can ever be. We got Alu Axelman on the line here from the Liberty Block at libertyblock.org. Alu, welcome to the show. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Thank com. you. What, where, where do you go if you end up at dot org? <laughs> That's right. Um, sorry, I'm in a uh, bad spot. I'm actually in the Keaton area, so if my uh, reception cuts out, I'm sorry. Oh, welcome. Um, yeah, speaking of, of uh, firefighters being volunteer, EMS also, so emergency medical services, oh, yeah. EMS and paramedics, also a lot of them are volunteer, and also a lot are private companies, so some are private ambulances, and some are private hospitals have ambulances within their hospital system. One of the services they do is EMS. So do they have, a, do they have an well. age limit? Like once you're 50 or 55, you can't that, be EMS anymore? No, I don't think so. I, I, um, it's rare for people to work in EMS because, of, you know, it's a lot of lifting and stuff and hours and overnights. Um, but I've seen people over 50, 60, 65, 70 in their 70s. I've worked okay. with guys. So probably not, but firefighter does make a little more sense to have an age limit. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything can be done by the free market better than the government for sure. So what were you calling about tonight? Yeah, so the main reason I called is I'm like two nights behind. Um, two nights ago, Bonnie and Nikki and Riley were talking about some articles, some really nasty articles pretty much saying anyone who doesn't believe in the science is uh, pretty much a right-wing, bigot, fascist, extremist, religious nut. And I wanted to say, I reject the government institutional science crap, even though I am a scientist and I've been in medicine for 12 years. Yeah. I reject the corona fascism and global warming hoaxes, and I am pretty agnostic atheist. So, yeah, wouldn't, it be nice if, wouldn't it be nice if they actually followed the scientific method in the scientific community? There was a time. Yeah, it, there was. <laughs> and there's a lot of gatekeeping to a lot of these studies in the journals about masks and vaccines and stuff, but still, published on the NIH gov's website there are a lot of studies and i have them in my book the plagues of a Sunday question and in my articles on libertyblock.com at least 10 15 20 studies now in my book showing masks don't work yep. surgical masks and i5 masks they both prevent provide roughly the same protection which is right around zero the negligible protection mm-hmm. from uh respiratory viruses like flu and covid good book too by the way well ollie yeah, you, you just need to have more faith in the science 
I mean, that's what all these faith, articles tell me. You just need to have more faith. Isn't in it the ironic science. that after all this time of science people attacking religion over faith and things like that, now the terminology has completely flipped, and yeah. and now the science side is talking about having faith. Scientism. Well, uh-huh. I mean, you, you just keep demanding all this evidence and logic <laughs> and like things that can be tested you've just got to believe our priests i mean phds that this is what's exactly. real my mother growing up um super ultra orthodox religious too my mother very often said because i was a skeptic my whole life since i was a baby i asked her why should we believe god for this and this and why would i believe it and she said you have to believe it that's the whole point if it was easy if it was signs that god was here it wouldn't be hard it would be nothing special to believe in god it's it's about the faith itself um, just for for the sake of faith, um, that you believe in something you can't really see, and that's what makes it special, and that's why you're going to heaven. So it's a very interesting concept. But yeah, in the book, the, the book about chronofascism that, that Captain Kickass did the narration for, um, I have a whole chapter on religion. I think it's called The New Religion. And it's all about how the scientism, the, the religion of the chronofascism, the religion of Fauciism as a high priest, it's like a religion with a blind faith and everything, and it's thickening. Mm-hmm. And I even made a, their Ten Commandments because they have, you know, the commandments wear a mask at all times, social distance at all times, and all that stuff, and thou shalt not gather in a group of more than ten. Yeah. So, like, they have their whole own Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see this exact same pattern playing out once again in the USSR, where the advertisement for the idea was, we will be rational and scientific about all of this, and really quickly that just breaks down into their own little government priesthood. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.